Welcome to the eGovernance Academy podcast to discover the future of governance. Tune in for the Digital Government Podcast every Wednesday. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Digital Government Podcast, where today we'll talk about the Western Balkans and Albania under cyber attacks and uh, what is the way out. A warm welcome back from your host, Federico Plantera, journalist, sociologist and researcher. And today with me, I have two guests. One is Merle Maigre, senior expert on cybersecurity at the Governance Academy. And uh, Merle, you are a uh, known figure to this uh, podcast and to the listeners. So welcome back. Thank you. I actually got promoted. I'm the head of the cybersecurity program now, but great to be back. Oh, oh, then even even better. I mean, that, that, that's also like news for uh, for everyone and also for the for the listeners. Uh, and then in second, we have Clyde Maggie, who is a cybersecurity strategist at uh, Estonian company Raul Walter. So um, Clyde did not participate in the podcast uh, before this episode. So welcome to you. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. So as we said, the topic is the Western Balkans and Albania under cyber attacks and also the way out because we already addressed uh, the concerns and the topic of cybersecurity in the region, uh, not only in a previous episode of the podcast, but also in a project that eGovernance Academy uh, was uh, participating in on uh, elaborating a cybersecurity study on the Western Balkans to assess and strengthen the cyber resilience capacity of essentially six countries back then. We talked about this in June, and the countries were Albania, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Kosovo, Montenegro, North Macedonia and Serbia. This time we are focusing on uh, a smaller pool of countries because uh, Merle, as you as you told me offline, let's say off the record, off recording rather than off the record, um, since July this year, four out of the six Western Balkan uh, countries that we have worked with have experienced various cyber attacks. And the fact is that two of them have been pretty intense and high impact, let's say. Uh, so let's let's start from this in the sense introducing the situation, uh, what happened there. And then we also talk about why why we need to care about that, essentially. Merle. Well, yes, indeed. Back in, the, in mid-July, more precisely on July 15th, Albania all of a sudden... Um, discovered that it was under uh, an, a disruptive cyber attack. A uh, couple of days later, a group, an Iranian group called Homeland Justice, took responsibility for those attacks. What uh, was under attack or what came out that uh, the services of Aksesk, which is uh, and Akshi, which are um, basically agencies providing the digital services of Albania, were totally offline. And uh, upon a study, it appeared that for over a year, more precisely 14 months, the opponents, the attackers had been inside the systems and were able to uh, exfiltrate data uh, to um, to gather um, um, various passwords, uh, basically um, pick and choose whatever they wanted. Uh, later, they uh, encrypted the data and, and wiped wiped them off. So uh, that was a start of uh, quite tense relations between Albania and Iran over the course of the rest of July and August. And at the beginning of September, the Albanian prime minister cut all diplomatic ties with Iran and, uh, and sent out the Iranian diplomats, after which uh, Albania 
experienced a retaliation wave of cyber attacks at times against the Ministry of Interior systems. But the question that comes to mind, by the way, is like, why specifically these countries and why from that country? In the sense, what was the the trigger of maybe the, the, the motivation or the, I don't know, like background reason in a way as well for um, cyber attacks on the Western Balkans? Well, more generally, we are currently talking of, of, of Albania and it is uh, Albania where the attacker has been attributed precisely um, being Iran. Uh, that was both by... Albania by the Albanian Prime Minister, but that attribution was also confirmed by the White House, uh, the US. And the background of four tense relations between Albania and Iran has been since 2013 or 14, when Albania has hosted an Iranian opposition group called Mujahideen El Khalq or MEC upon the request of the American of, of the United States. Um, that has basically been the reason of, of these tense relations and uh, potentially the attacks. Whereas besides Albania, it has also been Montenegro and Montenegro and several state states, sectors, state services, electricity, water and infrastructure that has, that has been under a cyber, cyber attack. And that is totally different because Montenegro has experienced cyber attacks from about roughly August, August 19 or August 20. And those attacks have not been directly attributed to anyone besides some hints of a, of a, um, a ransomware group called Cuba that, uh, that some fingers have been pointed towards them. Uh, um, besides the Montenegrin forces themselves or, or services themselves that a day after the attack uh, very loudly announced that uh, some of the ministers said that they suspect Russia is behind these attacks. But uh, those state accusations by Montenegro, unlike for Albania, have not been confirmed by any other Western powers, although we know that both FBI and the French uh, cybersecurity um, on sea, which, which basically is the National Cybersecurity Competent Authority, has rushed to help to Montenegro. Clyde, I will move to you with a question that is related exactly on the fact that we are talking about cyber attacks, we are talking about target countries that are in the same geopolitical area, let's say, but the origins of these attacks uh, may differ like until the point that it will be uh, confirmed, let's say that they come from like, different sources, and it's very likely that they come from different sources, as Merle explained. But Clyde, uh, from you, I would like to know what is the... Obviously, cyber attacks are not, you know, like attacks directed, like boots on the ground to a territory. So obviously, the topic of attribution is extremely relevant in this sense. No, but um, why is it so important to identify exactly and attribute properly, let's say, the origins of these cyber attacks? It's, by the way, pretty interesting that uh, that we are always looking uh, who. Who is who? Who are behind those attacks? Uh, I just yesterday had a, like a long conversation with another country who faced a huge issue in the in the beginning of the year. The, the Costa Rica, the Costa Rica was also under the under the huge attacks. All the governmental network was overtaken, and the information was encrypted, and so on, so on. And the main question is always who and why. But if you if you if you look in the the side of this impact and damage, then in the end of the day, what's the difference? What is the difference? Who was behind those attacks? Your services are down. Your citizen cannot use your service. Your data is lost or encrypted. Uh, someone is asking ransom or not asking ransom. This is how to say 
little bit irrelevant from the side of what actually happens and what is the impact. So is this some kind of random cyber criminals behind this attack or state-sponsored groups or whoever, then your damage and your impact is exactly the same. So yes, I understand that from political point of view, you would like to know that who is behind and why they're attacking us, etc., etc. But in overall, my like a technical like a view or point of view is that if your systems are weak, you will be under attack one way or other way. The system is going to be down. You're going to losing your data, etc., etc. So uh, I will I will leave this uh, like a concern and uh, and um, to those people who 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 like to accuse that who is behind that and etc etc and start big discussions and and so on but my point of view is let's try to build up our systems the way that we are not going to be victims anymore and no matter who is actually trying to attack us and this is like a like a most important from 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 my point of view so if you think that if under cyber attack uh, uh, or behind those cyber attacks there is a, some specific uh, cyber group or, or some other country that if you're going to figure out this, is it somehow save us to avoid the situation in, in the future? Is it somehow make it easier for us? No. Our systems are still weak. There's lots of vulnerabilities and weaknesses, and we will be under attacks again and again. So I don't like to answer to the question that why it's important who are behind those attacks. I'd like to say it doesn't matter. Obviously, you presented like the case uh, perfectly for like uh, for an issue that is already quite complicated to get to the bottom of, which is exactly like the attribution of cyber attacks. But Merle, uh, what were you saying? I I wanted to add that I agree very much with Clyde, and I think there are a couple of different levels here uh, at the very technical level and at the very practical level. When things do not work, uh, the the first priority should be to get them back functioning again. It's like having a house in fire. We uh, focus at putting out the fire. The question who started it is, uh, is is something that you may have want to deal with later. And it is in cyber sense, the question who's behind it or who's done it, who's uh, whom to attribute is more of a question that falls in the cyber diplomacy field for politicians. The question is there do they do it publicly do they take uh, what do they do then what kind of like do they um, retaliate or what kind of uh, various diplomatic countermeasures are there and so on and so forth so this is very much i agree with clyde basically that this is something that that more the pol politicians the leadership of a country deals with whereas at the practical level you need to focus at getting your systems functioning and resilient Medle, I wouldn't like follow up to the um, to what you were saying about and the, to the topic of attribution based on the fact that we've seen that even though even though different countries in the Western Balkans area have suffered cyber attacks recently, they might be uh, coming, let's say, for from different actors and also for different reasons, but. I would like to know also also based a little bit or connecting a little bit on the conversation that we had on the cybersecurity study you know that was presented in June uh, is there a, a reason or a, is, is there something in particular that makes these countries more first of all targets and then second more vulnerable from uh, first from a geopolitical point of view indeed like if there is any specific attention let's say directed at these countries for their role their position or like stances that they took recently on uh, other issues apart from, 
for example, apart from the case of Albania, which we already explained, and then also from the cybersecurity maturity and uh, readiness, let's say, which is instead the topic that we have addressed in the in, uh, with the cybersecurity study at the Governance Academy. Well, from the political point of view, there are uh, three Western Balkan countries, that is Albania, Montenegro and North Macedonia, that have um, associated themselves with EU sanctions um, against Russia since the war in Ukraine has started. And uh, that has, according to some analysts, increased the potential uh, cyber threat in the region. However, having said that, I think it's important to maintain that at the end of the day, none of us are safe vis-a-vis uh, -vis cyber attacks. It's the question of how resilient our systems are and what is the digital health and digital security of our national various systems depending on uh, on, on cyberspace. And this is where the Western Balkans definitely um, have... Uh, have room to do, have room to improve, uh, starting from the political framework and the understanding of the political leadership of the importance to invest attention, time and money uh, into uh, cybersecurity, and going through various different fields of cybersecurity. That is uh, legislation, risk management, uh, critical information infrastructure protection, um, but not also least of cyber awareness of the public officials as well as the general public. Clyde, on uh, this point of what can be done, or like what should be done, let's say, then uh, I would shift the focus on uh, what can be done from, uh, mm, like, is it more, if, if a country, for example, if a government was to uh, improve or uh, first assess and then improve their cybersecurity readiness and maturity, uh, do you think... There are, there are, there is, let's say, a level that deserves more attention than another one, such as, for example, like a government governance and risk management level, or maybe like a more technical standpoint. And uh, in that, in on both of those levels and layers and those topics, like what are, in your opinion, some of the, some of the things, let's say, that um, could protect countries further, let's say, more than the situation that there is today from, for example, the risk of, from suffering the impact of cyber attacks rather than the risk of cyber attacks themselves? We actually, one of those, how to say, like the main issues is that uh, we are not able to, how to say, assess this actual impact, what could happen if we never saw those attacks before. So from, from how to say, um, cybersecurity capacity building point of view, um, this evolution of uh, increasing the, how to say, cyber in the country sometimes we need to see those incidents we have saw those in estonia albania albania get their own how to say lesson learned costa rica got their own lesson learned and we need to learn by doing and learn by, by solving those incidents because yes it's easy to say that we have to learn from other mistakes but sometimes we just have to do our own mistakes to understand what it actually means because if you're starting to build up your, or develop your, your how to say, e-society, different services, online services, you're digitalizing all the, all the data uh, from, from uh, first point and then also the services, then uh, you don't know what may be this, like the biggest, biggest impact. And uh, yes, you can exercise. This is like a one way to figure out. Let's, let's try to play through and try to figure out, figure out what, what's happening. 
And, uh, and then we are talking about this, you mentioning risk assessment. Let's try to assess those risks. So if you're talking about risk assessment, we're talking about different threats, okay? You understand what the threats are. Then we're talking about the weaknesses or, or how to say vulnerabilities, how vulnerable we actually are. And, and before we can actually do this risk assessment, we need to understand also what is this um, possibility that actually someone can attack us. And now the question is about the motivation. Who can attack us? These are different kind of political reasons or cyber criminals just understand that it's easy way to ask money from you. So either way, they will find um, the way to attack you and the probability is going to be higher and higher. So uh, the more developed you are, the more in difficult situations you are, the, the higher going to be the probability. And from a risk assessment point of view, you have to assess your risks a little bit different way. But once again, if you're talking about this risk assessment point of view, then there is a one golden rule. Before we can actually assess the risk, we have to know the value of the, how to say, data. Not data, data is a bad word. I would like to say somehow wider, the, the value of the assets we are protecting. And pretty often I can see that the governments, they cannot actually mm, be, uh, they cannot actually see the value of the citizens' data. They don't understand, they don't understand what is this like a, like a financial value. And from risk assessment point of view, we have to know that how much to spend on cybersecurity, what is the return of security investment. But for that, we have to know the value of what we're protecting. And this is the difficult part for the governmental sector. For the private sector, it's much easier. They understand what is this value of the assets they are protecting. They understand what is the value of, of availability of services. Because if you don't have availability, customers are going to leave, you're going to lose money. But from government point of view, it's much more difficult to, to assess this situation. And this taps perfectly into something that we have heard already at the e-governance conference in Tallinn, for example, from Paul Timmers, uh, because Paul Timmers uh, also said uh, said something about the the digital ad, like the fact that states today obviously have to protect uh, the digital assets that they have, and that also before even doing that they need they have to do some to do some sort of an inventory, let's say, of what are these digital assets, and uh, and I also like the fact that you that you shifted away for a second from the from the word data and then moved to assets because indeed as the word digital assets includes more elements and more components that are not necessarily necessarily data or citizens uh, citizens inform personal information let's say but as Merle for example mentioned in the case I think it was Montenegro that you were talking about uh, like infrastructure so like in the functioning just of the yeah the infrastructure of the of the country uh, so Merle in this uh, um, from this point uh, I would also ask you another thing about those countries specifically that mm, in a sense is the follow-up let's say to the cybersecurity study that was presented in june and uh, focusing on those countries what mm, what could we say about the state of digital security let's say in the western balkans more generally at this point well building on what clyde said i think it all starts from the political will and from the leadership, uh, the high-level decision-makers of the country understanding the importance of cybersecurity. I think there there is a need to change the narrative and uh, stop looking at cybersecurity as something that demands money and, and rather see it as perhaps like a garden where you can... Uh, it, you, you, the investments you will do will, will turn uh, out for the good of you. 
And, but this doesn't come naturally. And, and very often the political leadership only understands the importance and seriousness of the subject once, uh, once a crisis has hit. So uh, in a good Estonian approach, never let a good crisis go to waste. Uh, I, I can see that places like Albania or Montenegro uh, or other Western Balkan countries that uh, get hit to take cyber resilience much, much more seriously. So that's one. Second, regarding legislation, leg legal framework, it is sort of like a framework that uh, that is important to have. But at the end of the day, more and and you cannot do without it. But but more importantly, you need to implement the laws and rules. So it is about the implementation of it, not just a mere paper that's been adopted. And then it is about the skill set of people, very practical skill set and investment into people in the CERTs, National Cyber Emergency Response Teams or CERTs, uh, the skill set of people that are responsible for the critical information infrastructure. And that is something where um, there can always be more training and education and perhaps even equipment and tools. And this is where the European Union is wanting to step in more strongly and is stepping in more strongly with the current ongoing projects. Since you mentioned the EU, Merle, just one more thing to you and then uh, a last question to Clyde and we wrap it up. The question to you is, you mentioned the European Union. Uh, so how do the attacks there affect us in the EU? Like, is there any, like, is there a direct link uh, do like why essentially they sh they should not be left there to fend for themselves. Obviously, they shouldn't, but like why not? Well, first of all, the Western Balkan countries are soon to be members of EU. There are negotiation discussions on the way, uh, so um, the whole is only as strong as its weakest links. So it is in everybody's interests to invest and make sure that the Western Balkans are highly high in their cyber resilience. Secondly, it's in, it makes sense to exchange this threat information and and what hits um, networks in Podkorica, in Tirana or Sarajevo can hit systems soon in Brussels uh, or Berlin. So it makes sense to, to build that community and to make sure that there is this exchange of, of threat information and, and a general understanding of, of a community and, and trust amongst all sides, I would say. Clyde, this brings up, let's say, a, um, a noun, <laughs> a word that we, um, that we have already introduced when, uh, uh, when, on this podcast, we were talking about the cybersecurity uh, study that, that was presented in June and then emerged at the relevant at the relative conference about the presentation of the study. And it was that uh, Merle herself actually uh, said that the uh, that essentially in the room when there were those conversations, like there was really uh, like no one was looking down or looking up on, on someone else, but there was like a certain uh, really like actual cooperation like on a similar level, which brings out the topic of togetherness. No, so. Is cybersecurity in the sense a bit indivisible, let's say, across countries? Meaning, uh, can a country in your opinion, Clyde, actually go for himself, let's say, for itself uh, towards building cybersecurity or uh, essentially 
uh, as you two would say, sometimes you can make it on your own, let's say. Like there has to be some international cooperation. There has to be an exchange of practices and uh, and knowledge between uh, not only countries and countries, but also maybe countries and uh, companies from countries where we have learned lessons in that sense. Not some cooperation, but very heavy cooperation. Because once, <laughs> because once again, um, uh, if one country wants to handle all this alone it have to be one hell of a country with uh, with the huge resources and and the skill set this whole uh, world wide web i would like to say worldwide uh, wild web so it's uh, it's uh, we don't have a country borders we don't have like uh, time zones it's like one big mess we are living and the only proper way to get handle this is to help each other because otherwise, uh, all the different uh, entities, all the different countries, organizations, they all gonna start to invent the same wheels what others are doing, and, and uh, to share information about different attack methodologies and different indicator of compromise, etc., etc. The more we gonna share this information, the more we gonna share the the experience what we are facing to solve different uh, different incidents and and, and, and crisis, uh, the better we are. Because uh, my like personal opinion is, in the next ten years. I, I don't want to say 20 or 30 years, but in the next 10 years, nothing going to change in, in this cyber crime landscape. So it's it's not going to be better. The infrastructure is the same. The possibilities are the same. And the only thing what we can do, we can just build higher walls and protect our, our environment and infrastructure. So this is the only thing what we can what we can focus to, to have this like, uh, um, how to say, illusion that we can somehow stop those attacks or, or catch those criminals and uh, decrease the, the cyber crime how to say possibilities i'm not so naive so so today the only thing what we can focus on is on, on protection and defense mechanism in, in countries organizations entities etc etc and this is we are international cooperation national and international of course inside of the countries we also have to do the cooperation between the private public organizations and to find who are our allies who are our friends that uh, they can share their own experience and on the word plays and puns about uh, wilderness uh, gardens and plants and seeing the fruits of your work coming up i think it's a good point to it's a good natural uh, let's say sneak peek into like for closing for closing this podcast episode so merle thanks a lot for coming back and joining us thank you and Clyde, thanks for uh, your first featuring on this uh, on the on the Digital Government podcast. Thank you very much. That's it, also from your host Federico Plantera for today. And uh, make sure to first of all check the relative projects that we have been talking about. So, for example, the cybersecurity rapid response for Albania, Montenegro, and North Macedonia project, which is ongoing and started just this summer, and also. Do not forget to check the previous cybersecurity study on the Western Balkans, uh, which indeed was presented in June and uh, clearly uh, has not stopped being relevant, obviously. So thanks a lot to everyone for joining in and see you at the next episode. This podcast is brought to you by eGovernance Academy. Tune in on next Wednesday.